0: Good morning. Good to have everyone with us this morning and um, as we begin this morning's service just thankful that we get to celebrate the peace of God um, this morning in our second Sunday of Advent. Um, we have several announcements that I want to go ahead and let you all know about. Um, this won't be an exhaustive list. If you, if you have any questions about announcements you can always go to our website. It's got all the announcements there on there, so I just want to point you to that. Um, If you don't hear anything I say, you can always go to the website, and those announcements are on there, Schedule times, all those kind of things. So um, that's a great resource for you um, to to be able to go to. So One Night in Bethlehem, night number one, is tonight um, from 6 to 8.30. And so if you could, if you are a part of One Night in Bethlehem, um, please try and be in your spot around 5.30. Um, that way, we know that everybody's here, and uh, we're going to try to take a few pictures for future use as well before the crowd comes through. So, as close as to five thirty as you can be in your spot in Bethlehem, and um, we'll go ahead and get started with that. Just if you're not coming tonight, if you're not able to to help, just pray um, for those who will be here, for the workers, for those who are going to come through. Um, it's just such a great opportunity, and um, we just we want as many people to hear the gospel as possible. So. Um, that's, that's We get to do that tonight. So One Night in Bethlehem starts tonight. Um, a few uh, kids' choir updates. Um, if you have a speaking part in the kids' choir um, for the upcoming um, performance, if you could meet tonight at 5 in the children's building, they're going to meet for about 30 minutes to just go over speaking parts. Um, so that's going to be at 5 o'clock tonight. And then next Saturday, there's going to be a rehearsal at 10 a.m. here at the church for all of the kids' choir. So if you know somebody who's not here that's in the qu- kids' choir, please try to get them here next uh, Saturday, the 10th, um, at 10 a.m., and they're going to go through their whole play because they're going to be performing that on the 11th. Um, also happening on the 11th is our young adult um, Christmas luncheon right after church. So those 18 to 30, um, there's a young adult Christmas luncheon at, uh, right after church. On, on December the 11th. If you have any questions about that, you can see um, Sarah Beth. And then also um, there is a special Surviving the Holidays grief share happening um, three different times on Wednesday, December the 7th, um, 11 a.m. to 12:30 p.m., 3 to four thirty p.m. and 6 to 8 p.m. So if you are interested in uh, being a part of that grief share ministry you can see Kim Harper. Kim if you want to raise your hand and uh, she is kind of over that and so if you have any questions about that you can see her. Several other things happening um, but we won't get into all of it but if you have any questions like I said you can go to our website and uh, they got all the announcements on there um, of, of things coming up in um, December. So now that that's over with, uh, I'm going to ask Giles if he'll come forward. Giles is a, is a deacon here, and uh, he is going to lead us in our call to worship this morning.
1: Good morning. All right, so we're going to be in Isaiah 9, 1 through 7. Uh, Father God, I just want to thank you for just bringing each one of us here, Father, and allowing us to just come and worship you and praise you, Father. Uh, be with Neil he brings, as he brings the message, and be with the choir as they lead us in prayer and praise, Father. I pray these things in your Son Jesus' name, Amen.
2: Good morning. You'll stand. We begin our worship this morning with singing and um, worthy. we focus in on the advent of peace we're going to sing away in the major We're going to sing the first noel together. the kids will come on to the front and help me light our advent candle for the morning. All right, it's pop quiz time. You all ready for a pop quiz on a Sunday morning? Yeah. Yep. Oh, that was confident. I like that. So last week we talked about a couple of things. Why is it on a wreath? What's the wreath mean? What's a wreath, dude? Does it break anywhere? No. no. And does God ever break his promises to us? No. Nope. And does his love ever end? No. All right. Then last week we burned this candle. Anybody remember anything about last week? it melted Yep, it melted down. Yep, there's one pink and one white. Do you remember what this candle was about last week? Remember we said, what did we say about the music last week? Yeah, we were thinking about the first Christmas, and we were thinking how there was a, some uncertainty, right? I remember, our music was kind of like, mm that? what's happening, right? And so we talked about hope. You all remember the word hope? Okay, so this week, if you think about all the songs we just sang, you know what the music we sang this morning makes me want to do? Kind of makes me just want to hug somebody. Yeah, it made us think of peace, right? So that music was just so comforting, and, and it just feels like you're just being snuggled up, right? Kind of like, I kind of felt like God was just holding me in his arms this morning, right? So this morning, we're talking about peace, and that really is what God is. It's, it's God just kind of snuggling us up and holding us tight so that we know we never go through anything alone. And just think about it, before this Christmas, it was almost like people thought, do we have to go through everything alone because Jesus hadn't came yet, right? And so we went from hope last week to this week, this overwhelming peace, Because people were starting to see all of God's promises coming true, right? And so this week, this star, last week we talked about the wise men, right? So this week, this star, we kind of talk about Bethlehem. And that's such perfect timing because tonight, what are we turning Glenlock into? One night in Bethlehem, Bethlehem, right? And so Bethlehem, when we think about all the people in Bethlehem, and even we are having a two-in-one, you're right. And so the cool thing about Bethlehem is for Mary and Joseph, do they, was, was Bethlehem like going to Franklin? Was it just a short journey? It was really long, right? To to <coughs> to yes. California. Yes, like cross country, right? Except for in a car, they were on an animal, right? So how crazy is that? So they had to have some serious peace accompanying them along that trip because if they didn't have that peace, I bet they would have given up. I think I would give up if I didn't have peace of, like, a gas station coming, right? you keep going? You'd be determined. So that's what we think of this morning. We think of the peace that, all, that they felt on that journey to Bethlehem. And We think about the peace that God gives us in, his, in our hearts now when he just snuggles us up because Jesus did come, right? And if we've accepted him, he lives in our hearts, so he's always there to wrap us up in a big, warm hug. I heard something really cool this week I wanted to tell you, okay? You ready? I heard this week that Christmas is a time for us to remember that God remembered. God remembered that we needed Jesus, and he remembered that we needed him to be sent to us, right? So that's our takeaway. We have peace because Christmas reminds us that God remembered. So we got to remember that God remembered, okay? All right, let's pray for peace. Dear Gracious Heavenly Father, God, Lord, thank you so much for just each one of these kids, God. And Lord, um, just for their memories, Lord, of everything that they're learning, God. Um, and for their wisdom, God, um, and just their clarity on things. Lord, this morning we pray that you wrap us up in a big, tight hug, and that you give us peace. And Lord, we understand that we have that peace because you sent your son to die for us, God, and you sent him in the form of a baby so that he could live a life just like we do, God. So Lord, may you um, use these kids, God, this week to be an instrument of peace and to comfort those around them, Lord. And will you just be with us as we open your word and as we go to Children's Church to learn more about peace. We love you and praise you. And we all say amen. Amen. Good job. All right, we got to light them, right? I almost forgot that. Duke, that's your job next week to help me remember to actually light them. It's going to do us no good if we don't light them. (laughs) (laughs) All right. Y'all go to Children's Church in the back with... Somebody
3: else to with Amen. Thank you, Catherine. As our children exit for Children's Church, open your Bibles, please, to Jeremiah chapter 6, Matthew 11 and John 16. Not all at one time. I'm just kind of giving you the order. Uh, doesn't sound peaceful from the beginning, does it? But... Um, Yeah, Advent. One of the four themes of Advent is peace. Peace. And one way God gives us peace is through his word. In fact, Psalm 119 says, great peace have those who love his word. So let's turn to the word of God and see what the Bible says to us about peace and the coming of peace and God's peace. So this is going to sound much more, excuse me, topical than I normally approach a passage. And we're going to look at three passages from the beginning. Then I'm going to explain different dimensions of peace that God uh, makes available and that God speaks about in the Bible. One of the most common phrases from the Christmas story is peace on earth, goodwill toward men. And if you come through one night in Bethlehem tonight, you will hear the angels say, Hopefully, peace on earth, goodwill toward men. But one of the most ironic things about Christmas is that oftentimes Christmas is one of the most stressful, hectic, restless times of the year, right? And so it's a little bit ironic that here at Christmas, every year, we drive home the need for God's peace in our lives. As I thought through some of this, I thought of a vacation that my grandparents took me and my brother and my cousins on many moons ago. They took us to the beach, and I cannot, for the life of me, uh, understand why they took on that challenge. Because at that point in their lives and our lives, we were on two different pages of what a vacation meant. And we were all over the place. I'm sure we were exhausting, and we were frustrating, and we were frantic. And all I remember my grandmother saying on that trip, it's not all she said. But the one takeaway that we still use as one of those family classics is, let's just rest a minute, okay? So even to this day, when we're exhausted and we're weary and we're tired, we will bring up that time when we were supposed to be on vacation, but let's just rest a minute. You, you know the feeling. Uh, we live in a very frantic, restless, fretful world. Let's think about what the Bible tells us, and, and let's take a different perspective this morning on, on peace. So, the first place I want to go is Jeremiah chapter 6, beginning with verse 13. The prophet Jeremiah diagnosed the culture. And in the diagnosis of his particular culture, he diagnoses all of us and this quest that we have for peace. Notice what he says. He says in verse 13 of Jeremiah 6, "...for from the least of them, even to the greatest of them..." Everyone is greedy. Everyone's greedy for gain. And from the prophet even to the priest, even the preachers, mind you. Everyone is dealing falsely. And they have healed the brokenness of my people superficially. Saying, giving lip service, peace, peace. But God says, there is no peace. Were they ashamed because of the abomination they have done? They were not even ashamed at all. They did not even know how to blush. Therefore, they shall fall among those who fall. At the time that I punish them, they shall be cast down, says the Lord. So that's the diagnosis. Here's the directive. Thus says the Lord, stand by the ways and see, and ask for the ancient paths where the good way is, and walk in it, and you shall find rest for your soul. But they said, we will not walk in it. And that's why they remained a restless people under God's judgment. So, There's the diagnosis. Now let's turn to the second passage I promised, which was Matthew chapter 11. Now you will want to set this one to memory because just in the reading of this passage, peace will begin to guard your heart and mind in Christ Jesus. Listen, these are some of my, my, my most favorite words of Christ. If I could say such a thing. Matthew chapter 11 verse 28. Man, this is one you can apply every day. Okay? God came down in Christ as the Prince of Peace to issue to us this invitation. Come to me, all who are weary and heavy laden, and I will Give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me. For I am gentle and humble in heart, and you shall find rest for your souls. For my yoke is easy, and my load is light. Now what's fascinating about that passage is that there is a connection to the Jeremiah 6 passage. What did Jeremiah say? He said, look, if you'll stand and you'll look and you'll ask for the old pass where the good way is and walk in it, you'll find rest for your souls. God comes down to us in Jesus, and what do we hear Jesus saying? That if you will come to me and follow me and abide in me and take my yoke upon you you will find rest for your souls. Jesus is declaring to be the eternal way of God in which we find rest for our souls. He's tying it back to what God said in Jeremiah chapter 6 through the prophecy. So that in itself gives us Jesus' claim to authority and deity. He is saying he's the fulfillment of this. Now, who among us would ever dare make such a statement? Hey, if you come to me, all your problems are solved. <laughs> if you come to me, you'll find rest. No, because none of us have the capability to give that to people. We're all limited, sinful, selfish, greedy, corrupt people. That's who we are. So Jesus comes down and offers the peace that God has through his invitation, we'll expand on this a little bit more, John 16, another one you ought to put to memory. Hey, when I was in youth group years ago, and I was asked, what's your favorite Bible verse? Man, I was thinking fast. <laughs> he was putting us on the spot. But I'll be honest, I picked this one. I picked this one, and it's still right up there. Here it is. These things I have spoken to you that in me you may have peace. These things I have spoken to you, Jesus says, so that in me you may have peace. Now, in the world, you're going to have tribulation. So do not tie your peace to anything in the world that is short, limited, fallen, broken, There is no peace in those things. In the world, you'll have tribulation. So you also can't make your peace depend on your circumstances, be they good or bad. Or your feelings or emotions, be they good or bad. In me, you may have peace. In the world, you will have tribulation, but here it is. Take courage. Let your heart take courage. I have overcome the world. A brief prayer and then... The sermon, Father, thank you for what you say to us. Help me to say this morning what we need to hear from you concerning the advent or the arrival of peace in Christ. Lord, you know how stressful and petty and restless my heart can be. And with the human condition, all of us are tempted to be in that same mentality give us your peace which passes all understanding. Guard our hearts and our minds through Christ Jesus. In his name we pray. Amen. Okay, I'm going to summarize the text that I read, and as I do that, it's going to, in a way, be a summary of what the Bible teaches about this subject that is so elusive for us called peace. Now, oftentimes, we're 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 kind of limited in how we understand peace. Peace does not mean just absence of conflict. Although that's good. Are you at peace? Yeah, we're no longer fighting. But when the Bible speaks of peace, it goes beyond that to wholeness or integrity or what we would call shalom, harmony, unity. Love. When the Bible speaks of peace, it speaks of the shalom of God, which means everything is finally the way it ought to be. So let's consider first the peace that God has, the peace God has within Himself. Can you imagine a more perfect peace than the peace that God Himself experienced after he created the universe and rested on the seventh day. What a Sabbath. God is the most peaceful being that we could ever imagine in the universe. He's never irritable. He's never frustrated. He's never fretful. As Gideon said in the book of Job, uh, Daniel, Judges, Let <laughs> me get it right. Slow down, brain. As Gideon said in the book of Jud- Judges, he is Jehovah Shalom. There's a peace that God has in himself. The book of Hebrews says that God's works were finished before the foundation of the world. I've got a list of verses that back up this theological truth that God has great, perfect peace within Himself. Giles read it. He's a wonderful counselor. He's a mighty God. He's the Prince of Peace. He is our everlasting Father. He has complete wholeness, self-existence, and harmony within Himself. God is not the author of confusion, but of what? Peace In all the churches The kingdom of God is not eating and drinking But righteousness and peace And joy in the Holy Spirit The book of Romans says that The God of peace will soon Crush Satan Under your feet He's never restless He's never frustrated He's never discontent He's never unsettled And he's different from you and me Isn't he? That's a good thing So if he is the source of peace, and if he himself is peace, then on a practical human level, he controls the thermostat to whether or not we're going to experience peace in life. I don't have to go far with that illustration. But who who controls the thermostat in your house, (laughs) right? Don't answer that question, just think through Who controls peace in the world and whether or not we are going to experience it and have it? You cannot experience peace running from God because he himself is peace. Ask Jonah. Ask David as his conscience was tormented day and night because of his sin. I can't can't belabor this. I I just want to start off by saying just think through the implications of the fact that God himself is Jehovah Shalom. He is peace. He is the source of peace, and he controls the existence of peace or lack thereof. Number two, there's the peace that God only, not only does he have it, but he commands it. God's law commands that you and I be at peace. Read the Ten Commandments. We are to live in harmony and love and oneness with God, with our neighbors, with ourselves, and the world around us. When you break one of the Ten Commandments, you are disrupting the peace that God has commanded and desired for you to have. That's why in the middle of that, He commands for us to rest from our work and recognize and celebrate and honor and keep holy the Sabbath. To rest, to have peace and harmony, to be settled in how we love God and love people. But I only mention this in passing because obviously looking at myself, And the world we live in, and the world that Jeremiah diagnosed back in his particular day, the peace God commands, we have fallen short of. Hey, just drive around with me every day. Not only will you experience the frustration that you would have riding with me, and that I would have driving around, but you'll hear horns blowing and sirens blasting. It's the world we live in. So, Luke and Matthew, early in the Gospels, why did Jesus come? Why did Jesus come down? Why did the Prince of Peace come to us? John the Baptist's father Zechariah said something very interesting and important in the song that he sang. He said that his son John the Baptist came to guide our feet into the way of peace. That sounds a lot like what Jeremiah was saying. We need help. We need guidance to find the way of peace. So what was the role of John the Baptist? What did he do? He pointed everyone not to himself but to Christ. Behold the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. So then there's not only the peace that God has. and Not only is there the peace that God commands. Number three, there is thankfully the peace that God gives. The peace that God gives through His Son Jesus Christ. And that's why I read Matthew chapter 11, which is the great invitation to what? Come to me. Come to me. I think we should take that invitation as a heavy command. Kind of like this if mom says, hey, supper's ready, y'all come on. <laughs> If you don't abide by that or obey that, there will be trouble. It's an invitation, but it's also a bit of a command, is it not? Let's put it on a more important level. Let's say you're on the Titanic and the ship is sinking. At that point, you do not need to find yourself, quote, rearranging the deck chairs on the Titanic. You need to hear the invitation. Come to the lifeboat. Come to the rescue. That's who Christ is. That's what he is offering. Come to me. Forsaking all other avenues to peace, I choose him. Right? Everything else is shallow. Everything else is temporal. Everything else is surface. Only in Christ can we find peace Peace and rest for what? Our souls. This world and the stuff of this world does not have the solution or the cure for the restlessness in my soul. So when Jesus invites those to come to him who are weary and heavy laden, what the Jewish leaders would have heard is the law itself, the law itself was a heavy weight and burden that none of us could bear. Because we've sinned and fallen short of God's law and His character and His rest. Therefore, we're restless and we're tense and we're stressed and we really can't put our finger on what's really underlying all that hostility. But the Bible nails it on the head. You're not right with God. And you're not right within yourself. And that's not why you're right with other people. That's why you're so frustrated over your circumstances. You need peace with God. So what did Christ come to do? Well, not only did he teach, but he came to die. <laughs> and so in just a few moments, we're going to remember and celebrate communion, the elements of peace with God. Jesus allowed his peace to be disturbed and torn so that you and I, through his sacrificial offering of himself and his body, so that we can be made right with God and forgiven by God and therefore this age-old law and burden is lifted through the gospel and we can finally have peace with God the debt settled, the debt paid. I read of a store that was a pretty large, very expensive, high-end, fine china store. And the owner of that store had put a sign on one of the walls that said something like this, if you break it, come and tell us And we will forgive you. (laughs) If somebody like me would need a sign like that to walk around in peace. And I really think underlying a lot of our restlessness is this sense that you and I have broken something sacred. We've done something wrong. And we need to have it put right in our heart of hearts, in our mind of minds, in our soul of souls. And here's the good news. The good news is that God has come down in Christ. And he has done everything necessary for you and I to have peace with God through what Jesus did. He lived a perfect life. He died a sacrificial atoning death. And through his blood, we now have peace with God. What a gift. Peace be still, he would say, and did say to the water. And that storm was quieted. Why did he do that over physical nature? To prove that he could handle the greater nature, which was the spiritual. So I'm still under the heading, the peace that he he gives. But he doesn't just give peace with God. He will give the peace of God. Y'all, I've heard story after story, some of, from you, personal stories, of how something difficult, or something traumatic, or something hard was going on in your life, but you prayed about it, and you cast it upon the Lord, and you did what Philippians says, that instead of worrying and being anxious about it, you, you prayed, and with thanksgiving, you placed it on the, uh, the shoulders of God, the in the hands of God, and a, and a peace that passed all understanding just begin to guard your heart and your mind in Christ Jesus. There's not only the peace that God gives with him, there is the peace that he has that he gives to us through the Spirit in trying situations in situations in which we're tempted to be restless and we are restless. And anxious, But he tells us these things so that by faith we can come to him. And though we were weary and heavy laden, we take his yoke and his life upon us. We learn from him because he's humble and gentle. And he gives us rest for our souls. So there's the peace that God has, there's the peace God commands, there's the peace God gives, there's also the peace God promises for our future, for eternity, which I'm not going to get into, I'm just going to say, one day, based on the Bible, there will come a day in which there will be no more tears, no more crying, no more death, no more pain, every enemy to our peace will be destroyed. The world, the flesh, and the devil will no longer be antagonistic toward the peace of God's children. Isn't that good news? This is called the peaceable kingdom of God that is to be that Christ on the cross purchased for sinners like you and me. Now I'll close with this. Everybody's favorite part of the sermon. I'm thinking through, here it is. Here's my note. All that is necessary for peace in all its forms has been provided by Jesus. We just must enter into it through repentance and faith. So everything needed for us to be at peace with God, others, self, the world, has already been provided. We just need to, by faith, enter into it And use the means by which he has given it and provided it. And if you and I will do one, two, three, and four on the screen back there. Guess what we will become? In a hostile, angry, fretful world. We can be blessed to be peacemakers. And thus be called the children of God. We can let the peace of Christ rule in our hearts. So that we can be salt and light. And bring harmony and shalom and the way things ought to be in a better way than before through what God does for us in Christ. And it's at this point in the message that I'm going to use a personal illustration from someone that many of us know who was a peacemaker for me and this church for many years. And her name was Jenny Garvin. And the reason I'm going to close my sermon talking about her life is that when I think back to Glenlock Baptist Church and what makes this a place of peace and a great church, it's people like Jenny Garvin who themselves took anxiety and stress and worry off people like me because guess what? For many years, all I have had to do is show up and preach the word and love the people because people like Jenny Garvin had everything else covered. Let me give you some examples from her own life. Every Sunday morning that I showed up to preach at my pulpit was a cup of water. Every Sunday morning without fail. Neil, your water's ready. Now I can count on one hand the number, the, the sips that I took from that water glass. But Jenny had it ready when we came to church she had already she could walk to church in fact frontis and Jenny were here so much one of my boys growing up thought that they owned the church <laughs> who owns the church I said Jesus owns the church they said I thought frontis and Jenny owned the church that's how often that's how much they did here the lights were on the temperature was set. If we had a baptistry, she had cleaned the uh, baptism, she had cleaned the baptistry, she'd filled the pool. She left little sticky notes and note cards everywhere with instructions, reminders, whatever was needed. The candy on my desk, she kept that jar full. Peppermint. The nursery was ready. The fellowship hall was ready. All the supplies were ordered. She was conscientious. She was thorough. She never had a college education. She never drove a car. There were a lot of things that she didn't do and she didn't have. But I can't imagine the size of her reward when God said, Well done, good and faithful servant." And every time we took communion, every time back then, it was Jenny Garvin that prepared it. And of course, with Frontis's help. But she was responsible and she was caring and she was helpful. Everything that we needed to have a peaceful Sunday morning service, man, she had already gone ahead and took any of the anxiety and any of the stress. And she always had it all covered, didn't she? If she helped bring peace to your life in any way, would you just raise your hand? I mean, from nursery on up. And so I think it's interesting that this morning we're about to remember Christ and His peace through the Lord's Supper. Now, to replace Miss Jenny, it's taken about 25 people And there's probably still some things that we aren't doing that she did that we don't know about yet. (laughs) But thanks be to God for peacemakers, peacemakers who are humble, they work hard, they take responsibility, they forgive, they help, they care. And I've found that oftentimes the peace that God gives comes to me through the people who have his peace living in them because they love Jesus Christ and they love his church. So in actuality, Jenny Garvin did own the church because the church is owned by Christ and Christ owns everything. And by virtue of his grace, he says, everything that's mine is is yours. What a wonderful God we have. What a gift to be given, the gift of his peace. Now let's pray. I may have said that already, but let's pray and let's think through the terms of peace that Christ himself gave. Okay? in order for us to know all that we've been talking about this morning. Father, thank you that we are about to remember Christ the way we've been commanded to remember. Through his broken body and his shed blood. Father, you have made peace with us, available in Christ So whatever we have on our hearts and minds today, be it the need for forgiveness, the need for repentance, the need for joy, reconciliation, whatever that might be, courage, we pray that by remembering Jesus and what he has done would give us a a great sense of peace to be able to approach all these circumstances with, with faith in you, and you would calm our hearts and our minds. Truly, it would be well with our souls. Thank you, Father, for the gift of peace. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. All right, I'd like to ask our deacons if they would come forward. Hey, both active, inactive, uh, as we serve communion this morning, as we said last month, we're back to the way we used to do it, so to speak. And that our deacons will serve first the bread, and I will lead us in taking the bread. And then our deacons will serve the cup, and I'll lead us in taking the cup. So, um, with patience and thoughtfulness in remembering the sacrifice of Christ with a penitent, faithful heart, uh, we do what he commands here in our church. I'm going to ask Joe Bledsoe if he would pray for us before we take communion. All right, writes, I received from the Lord that which I also delivered to you, that the Lord Jesus, in the night in which he was betrayed, took bread, and when he gave thanks, he broke it and said, this is my body, which is for you. Do this in remembrance of me, and they did eat. Amen. Thanks be to God for the costly sacrifice of his son's body, so that you and I could be at peace the same way they took the cup Thank you. Jesus took the cup also after supper, saying, This cup is the new covenant in my blood. Do this as often as you drink it in remembrance of me. And they did drink. As often as you eat this bread and drink the cup, you proclaim the Lord's death until he comes. Thanks be to God for the blood of Christ which is our peace. Let's stand and sing our hymn of invitation. If you have a decision you'd like to share with me, a prayer request, uh, that's what this time is for, is what this altar is for. As we sing, as Catherine leads us, Oh, come all ye faithful, amen. You come as we sing. (laughs) Richard and Joanne, if you would come stand before us. So I've got good news. We uh, are going to present this morning two new members uh, for formal membership, Richard and Joanne Smith. Some of you know them already. They have been visiting for quite a while, maybe a year. Yeah. I don't know. Mar- Mar- okay, March would have been a year. So I met with them before Thanksgiving, and they desired to join with us. They both are clearly, to me, uh, Bible-believing believers, they've both been baptized and would like to join us. I think their last membership was at a Methodist church, so I'd like to present them by statement. Um, so what's the pleasure of Glenlock Baptist Church? Okay, have several seconds already. All in favor, let me know by saying amen. 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 All right. So, Crystal, will you come stand with Richard and Joanne? Or, or Well, I've chosen our Bethlehem lady, so she may have responsibilities. I just don't want them to stand up here by themselves. we got all these deacons here, so I could have done that too. Um, Jimmy Horn, absolutely. Yeah, come on up here, Jimmy, since she called you out. <laughs> amen, amen. Uh, after we close, if you haven't met Richard and Joanne, you would like to, please take time to come by and welcome them formally into our uh, church family. The reason I brought up Miss Jenny Garvin, and I meant to say this in the sermon, her memorial service is tomorrow at 2 o'clock in here at Glenlock. Tomorrow at 2 o'clock. She passed a couple of weeks ago, but there was some delay with family uh, arriving and so forth. So I want to be sure everybody knew about that uh, so that we could express our love and, uh, and, and, and honor and minister to her family. Uh, the other thing I was going to say is for one night in Bethlehem, if you have any questions or you would like to serve, here's your invitation to do something. If you've ever been looking for an invitation to do something, please see Crystal Rude. She is our go-to person for one night at Bethlehem, among other things. And then let's pray for Carla Bryan. Uh, Catherine's husband, Russ, his best friend's mother died. She's Johnny and Nancy Dean's daughter also. Pray for the family of Carla Bryan, who passed, um, I guess, early yesterday morning. So if I missed anything, Catherine, would you please... Tie the loose ends and close us in our benediction. Thank you, Richard and and Joanne, for joining our church. Yeah, if you're a guide, uh, brief meeting in the middle of the classroom with me immediately following the service just to make sure we got all our ducks in a row for that. Thank you.
2: Um, We are gonna sing, but I'm gonna um, we're gonna pray over Bethlehem and the ministry that that will be this evening. Um, If for some reason you can't come help tonight or if, you know, if you don't even want to be outside, we can use people everywhere, I promise. Um, But you can also help just by making sure you reach out and invite somebody um, after church today. Call somebody, swing by somebody's house, on social media. All you got to do is share the church's post um, to kind of fill it up. Um, So let's pray over um, Bethlehem, and then we'll sing Go Tell It on the Mountain. Dear Gracious Heavenly Father, God, Lord, um, I just thank you for this church where love truly does abound, God. Lord, I thank you for your peace this morning, um, and I thank you for um, the hope that you give each one of us, God. Um, and Lord, I know I said it earlier, God, but Lord, I just I just pray that we remember that Christmas is a time to remember that you remembered us, um, and Lord, may um, you bring the people who need to hear it most to Bethlehem tonight, God. Lord, be with Miss Crystal um, as she leads us fearlessly, God. And Lord, um, I just pray that you um, pull on the hearts, push on the shoulders, God. Lord, slap in the face if you need to. Those of us who need to come serve are those of us who need to come through, God. And Lord, I just pray right now that you lay a name on each one of our hearts very clearly, God, that we need to invite to come, Lord, if not tonight on Saturday. But, Lord, we, uh, we just turn over these church grounds to you that your work may be done here in this place um, and that you will allow one night in Bethlehem to not be anything that we've done, God, but something that you are graciously using us um, to share and to love your people with, God. Lord, um, we just pray your blessings upon it, and we pray for all of our church members who would love to be here and who faithfully are in Bethlehem every night, God, that don't feel well to do it this year, God. Lord, we just love you and praise you and thank you. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. Last us Go tell it on the mountain, over the hills and everywhere. Go tell it on the mountain that Jesus Christ is born. We'll see y'all this evening.